0: two words just like michael jordan in 1995 i'm back you are locked on longhorns your daily podcast on the texas longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100 daily fantasy sports made easy. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, It's a little bit late, but better late than never. Our recap of the Iowa State game over the first two segments, everything that caught my eye on Saturday in Texas' 10th win of the season. And then in the last segment, we'll just pretend it's Monday, the Big 12 roundup, everything you need to know that happened in your least favorite conference over the weekend outside of the University of Texas. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every Before we get into the subject matter, I have to address the elephant in the room. I do owe you all an explanation. I put one on Twitter yesterday, but I rarely tweet, (laughs) if ever, and I'm not sure how many of my listeners or subscribers even follow me on Twitter, so I'm sure the message didn't reach the masses, right? Well, I have not been able to produce Locked on Longhorns for over a week because last Wednesday, I'm sitting in my house, right, and I'm watching Undisputed. I can't even remember what they were talking about, but it was a Wednesday, so it's probably some BS, probably LeBron or something, right? And all of a sudden, my internet just goes out. Like, it just shuts out completely, right? TV's not working, internet-wise. My work computer, personal laptop, PlayStation, nothing. Internet is not working at all in my house. And so I go, what's going on? I call Comcast because I have business internet. I work for... I have business internet, and my job pays for it. And so they um, come out, and then they determine that this is more serious than just something wrong with the modem, right? Right? a wire had been cut outside of my apartment. Fast forward, we find out that somebody moved in above me and the tech that came out to set up their internet had no idea what he was doing, cut a wire, had no idea where that wire was going, but he didn't really care to find out where that wire was going. All he cared about was making sure that the apartment he was in had internet. Well, the wire he cut cut my internet out for over a week, right? Or almost a week, I should say. And so I have not had internet in my apartment since last Wednesday. They were able to come fix it yesterday. And now I'm back on the show being able to produce Locked On Longhorn. So I've missed a lot over the last week. Quinn Ewers announced, or he didn't announce anything, but the rumors are that he's leaning towards a return. Uh, Texas basketball signing Trey Johnson, the number four player in the country, multiple basketball games, Max Amos game winner over the weekend, a timely recap of the Iowa State game, you know, all of that. So I promise I'll get to, you know, all of those topics over the next week or so while still talking about uh, the Texas Tech game coming up this weekend. Uh, but I just really appreciate your patience. Like I said, it was outside of my control. Somebody cutting a wire outside of my house and not having an Internet for a week. But I'm back, excited to talk about Texas athletics and excited to be able to put content in front of all of you guys, uh, you know, going into the last month of the regular season. So now we're talking about Texas football, and um, that was a milestone win on Saturday. For the Texas Longhorns, you know, when you talk about college football, when you talk about power five teams, that 10 win threshold is a big plateau, right? And that's something that has been escaping Texas for a long time, right? That's our first 10 win season since 2018, our first 10 win season period under Steve Sarkeesian. And based on the way that things are rolling, uh, it doesn't look like it'll be the last. So that was a great win, uh, for the players, a great win for Steve Sarkeesian to get that monkey off of his back. And a great win for the program, you know, to signal that Texas is on the right track after a long time of not being on the right track, right? And those are some of my favorite types of football games to watch and, and to celebrate after, right? Of course, as a uh you know, a football fan, you know, I want to see offense, I want to see them, you know, throwing the ball all over the yard, Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell going for 150 yards and you know, explosives all over the place and us scoring 50 points, but You know, it's just something about those wins when you go out there and you gut it out. You know, it's something about those wins when they're gritty and tough, when you have to go out there and and win games, running the ball, playing defense and, and winning on special teams. Right. You know, I'm a huge baseball fan, as you all know. You know, go Rangers. Shout out the World Series champions, even though I'm ripping the Houston Astros. I live in Houston today on the show. Um, You have to be able as a championship level team, as a 10 win football team, you have to find ways to win when you don't have your fastball. And at least in the first half on Saturday, Texas didn't have their fastball. They maybe found it in the second half and found a way to win that football game and to get to 10 wins. Like I said, for the first time since 2018, first time ever under Steve Sarkeesian. So, So those are some of my favorite types of football games to watch. I love the offense. I promise I do. But it's something special about watching a team go out there and win the game fundamentally, running the ball, stopping the run on defense, and then playing well on special teams. What I learned about this football team on Saturday and what I've learned for you know the better part of a season is this is a bread and butter football team. And that's part of the reason why I have so much confidence in this football team week in and week out. We can talk about all of the bells and whistles on the outside and Steve Sarkeesian and Um, you know, certainly, (laughs) you know, that is the icing on the cake, but this is a bread and butter football team that goes into the game every week with the fundamentals and the foundation of we're going to run the ball really well and we're going to stop the run and they've been able to do that in 10 out of 11 games thus far that's why they're 10 and one the only game where they haven't really been able to overwhelm their opponent at least on one side of the trenches was the oklahoma game and that's the one loss on your schedule and probably the reason why you're not the number one team in the country right now but when you look at this explosive passing game excuse me with quinn ewers and all of the weapons on the outside you know that for the most part, they're going to show up and put on a show, but there have been times where it's been inconsistent. For the most part, we don't know until the game starts what we're going to get from our passing game every week. That's not to say that the uh, wide receivers haven't been great. They have. That's not to say that Quinn Ewers hasn't been great. He has, right? But like I said, the passing game at times can be inconsistent. The same thing on the defensive side of the ball. We have a ton of talent in our secondary on the back end, right? And for the most part, On a weekly basis, they go out there and do their job. But there have been weeks against Kansas State, uh, against Oklahoma, and against uh, U of H at times where they kind of got thrown all over them, right? And so week to week, you're not sure what type of consistency you're going to get from your passing game or your passing defense. What we have seen (laughs) is pretty much 10 out of 11 weeks is this team every week shows up And they can overwhelm their opponent in the trenches. They can run the ball at a high level and they can stop the run at a high level. And when you can do that on a weekly basis, you have a chance every week. Not even a chance, you have the advantage every week going into football games with the talent you have on this football team and like i said that's why they're you know 10 and one and one of the best football teams in the country against iowa state specifically 123 rushing yards gained nine rushing yards allowed 114 yards just in the rushing game in terms of difference that's why you were able to win that football game this is something that you do every week because it's the foundation of your football team on the season 1958 rushing yards gained 910 rushing yards allowed so you are doubling up your opponents in terms of rushing production like i said this is a bread and butter football team we can talk about all of the weapons on the outside but they win the games in the trenches they are able to overwhelm their opponents In the trenches. And that's why this is one of the best football teams in the country. And that's the formula they follow to win football games every week. Now, speaking of that rushing attack, this was a huge game for Cedric Baxter and a huge game for the Texas Longhorns to see if you could lean into that next man up mentality and still impose your will on football teams without Jonathan Brooks, who was the main reason you were able to impose your will. And Cedric Baxter was the number one running back in the country, I thought erroneously, was named the starter the first two weeks of the season, um, based on what Jonathan Brooks showed the next eight to nine weeks after that. Um, But, you know, we know he's really talented. He's been banged up. He's dealt with some injuries this year. And we feel as fans that we haven't seen, you know, the full version or the the complete version of Cedric Baxter yet. Now, he's a true freshman. You probably weren't going to see that this year anyway but we expected more flash from Cedric Baxter than we had seen up until this point I, I think that's fair to say right I don't want to knock him obviously he's a true freshman he's been hurt but I, I think we had expected you know more explosion from Cedric Baxter up until this point but I thought that Saturday was his coming out party right he knew that he was going to have to take on a big load he touched the ball 25 times or he got hit 25 times you know what I mean so that's definitely tough for somebody who's been dealing with injuries and a true freshman Um And he really carried the load offensively. He had 20 carries for 117 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. That's essentially what Jonathan Brooks had been giving you averaging 6.1 yards per carry. That was Cedric Baxter's best output of the season with that many carries. So he definitely, like I said, had his coming out party. And then 130 yards total, which I thought did a really good job of taking the pressure off Quinn Ewers in the passing game, especially when things were slow offensively. And then he caught five passes. So he was a nice uh, little outlet for Quinn Ewers when things weren't there as well. And, you know, he really turned into kind of that bruising power back um, that kind of carried you to victory in the second half. Right. 14 carries for 78 yards in the second half. And his last two carries when they were just, you know, closing out the game. Um, he didn't have a gain on his last two carries. So it was really 12 carries for 78 yards in the second half, which is six and a half yards a carry. So he turned into that tough, bruising power back uh, in the second half that Iowa State just didn't want to tackle, right? And then ultimately carried you to victory. And two things that I thought he had not done well all season was hit the hole fast and, you know, with conviction. He did that on Saturday and he made it tough to tackle him. You know, he didn't go out there and make a bunch of people miss. That doesn't look like it's in Cedric Baxter's game right now. But I promise when you got to about 17 18, 19 out of those 25 touches that Iowa State defense didn't want to tackle Cedric Baxter. And that's why he was able to amass 130 yards of total offense on Saturday and really step in and do his best Jonathan Brooks impression. So um, a huge game for Cedric Baxter, the best game of his young career thus far. And, you know, you started to see on Saturday why he was the number one running back in the country and why we expect him to do really big things at the 40 acres over the next two years. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we continue the conversation about Texas and Iowa State. This past Saturday. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So coaching can be a thankless job. Um, you get blamed a lot more than you get credit for. And a lot of times you get scapegoated and you get blamed for things that either are outside of your control or, you know, could have been controlled by the player stepping on the field and executing right? And we know that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, his moniker, the reason that he's coaching at the University of Texas is offense, right? You expect him every year to be one of the most creative and innovative play designers and one of the best play callers in college football on a year in and year out basis. And what I loved about Saturday was your bread and butter essentially wasn't getting you into the end zone or putting points on the board, right? You just being able to go out and out execute Iowa State wasn't putting points on the board. If you have an elite play caller if you have an elite play designer right at some point they have to be able to put points on the board for you they have to be able to scheme points on the board for you and I thought Steve Sarkeesian schemed up 15 points for us in a game where we only scored 26 right when you look at the two touchdowns that we scored in the two-point conversion you had a play action right this is really good in terms of the play design play action block and release, right? So gunner Helm pretends like he's going to block, right? So then they don't even factor into him as a receiver because you see the play action as a defender and then you see the tight end staying in line and blocking, right? Now you think it's a run. All of a sudden, Gunnar Helm releases and comes on a wheel route across the field, and nobody goes with them because everybody went towards the running back, going back to that play design with the play action. and You score an easy touchdown to Gunnar Helm. Then we got Jordan Whittington involved. The delay fade to Jordan Whittington, where he didn't even block and release. He kind of just stood there, waited, and then just took off full speed. By the time the defender reacts to it, it's too late. He's wide open, catching the ball, going into the end zone. So that was the delay fade to Jordan Whittington. That was another touchdown, you know, next to the Gunner Helm touchdown that Steve Sarkeesian schemed up in a crucial moment. These were touchdowns in the huddle, right? Before they even snapped the ball, these were touchdowns. And then you talk about the two-point conversion, right? When you're on the two-yard line, you got to come up with your best play, right? You can't. You know, go to all the bells and whistles and you can't do anything crazy. There's not enough space. Right. You got to go to your best play. What can I do to get my playmakers to get two yards? Right. And he goes with a fake handoff to either Cedric Baxter or Jaden Blue. I can't remember who was in the game and a pitch. To Jordan Whittington coming across on a jet sweep and I have to give Quinn Ewers credit because the ball handling was so crisp you go back and watch that replay you damn near don't even see the toss to Jordan Whittington you just look up and he has the ball running into the end zone so great play call and a two-point conversion by Steve Sarkeesian great ball handling by Quinn Ewers on that pass to execute it and then you know great job by you know Jordan Whittington twice and Gunnar Helm of getting in the end zone if Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best play designers in the country if he's one of the best play callers in the country then he has to be able to scheme points on the board especially when Texas just can't go out there and execute and get him and I thought he did a good job of that on Saturday scheming two touchdowns and a two-point conversion on the board for the Texas Longhorns to keep us in the hunt for the Big 12 championship in the college football playoff now I want to talk about Jordan Whittington specifically because it's just such a special moment when he gets involved and he's criminally underutilized now for the second year in a row. And so all of my people, you know, my Longhorn fans that watch, you know, the basketball team and the football team and keep up with both consistently. I'm not sure why we give Jordan Whittington the Brock Cunningham treat, right? Like both are fan favorites, right? Both are Longhorns for life. Both have done a really good job of helping the new regime, right? that they're currently under establish a culture and establish a winning attitude. Right. I think both of those guys have done um, tremendous work for the basketball and football programs when they've dealt with adversity right on and off the field or on and off the court. But Jordan Whittington is one of the most talented and best wide receivers in the country. Like Jordan Whittington was a five-star player coming out of high school. Brock Cunningham is a nice story that plays really hard and can shoot threes from time to time. Right. Right. They are not comparable in any form or fashion. But yet, we treat Jordan Whittington like the Texas Longhorns mascot for the football team, or we treat him like the glue guy, right? Or we treat him like he's not one of the best wide receivers in the country. I don't understand that because obviously, the basketball team is not going to run offense through Brock Cunningham. But if you put the ball in his hands and, you know, he's open for a three, good things can happen. You can run offense through Jordan Whittington. You can go out and target Jordan Whittington 10 times and good things will happen. Even when you don't give him the ball, good things happen because he's just that special of a player. But it was good to see him being utilized on Saturday. Three catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. I believe his first touchdown on the season and talk about him being criminally underutilized only three catches for 56 yards but it was his second highest yardage total all year he had 115 yards in the Oklahoma game and he has five games with three or more catches right so five games with three or more catches which includes Saturday he has six games with two or less so the majority of the time this season he has had two or less catches and he had zero catches against BYU so you know that's no disrespect to Brock Cunningham. Obviously, you know, I love the basketball team. I love Brock and he does so much for that program as I outlined. But to me, we are treating Jordan Whittington like a mascot on this football team or like he should just be happy to be here when I think he's one of the 25 to 30 best receivers in the country. And I feel like, you know what I mean? He might even be better than that, right? Like that's me, you know, exercising, you know, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But that's that's me staying on the safe side when I say he's one of the twenty five to thirty best wide receivers in the country. Like I said, he was a five star coming out of high school. And the fact that, like I said, we treat him like a team mascot and a glue guy and a culture setter every week when he can go out there and make dominant plays on the field. It's kind of disappointing. But the season's not over. You know, obviously, the you know, the best and biggest games are ahead of us and this is something that we can continue to improve on each week is getting the ball in Jordan Whittington's hands because like I said when we get the ball in his hands the former five star with all the talent in the world really good things happen I want to talk about the defense because sacks and turnovers has been a part of this team's identity really since the Oklahoma game and you've had some tough battles and some battles that have been a lot closer than you expected them to be. But sacks and turnovers are probably the reason in the end that you came out on top in those games. And this past Saturday, you did it again, three sacks and an interception. That seems to be the formula uh, for this football team. I think they've had a turnover in every game since uh, the Oklahoma game, and they've been able to increase their sack outputs, right? Not just getting pressure, but actually getting to the quarterbacks. Um, And like I said, when you're winning games by three points, seven points, 10 points, right? These sacks and turnovers end up being huge plays in the game. And when you look at in the course of the Iowa state game, when these sacks and the interception took place, obviously, right. You're not going to get points on a drive where you throw an interception unless you know, you're Quinn Ewers and you have players like Xavier worthy and Jordan Whittington in your corner to force a fumble and recover that fumble after you throw an interception. But Over the course of the game, like I said, the Texas football team had three sacks and an interception. That happened over the course of four drives for Iowa State. They only scored three points on those four drives. You're not going to beat a team like Texas averaging less than a point per drive, right? Especially over the course of four drives. So um, they've done a really good job the last five or six weeks, this Texas defense and not just in terms of not allowing yardage, not just in terms of executing, but making those splash plays on the defensive side of the ball that give your offense more opportunities, right? Getting sacks making it harder for the offense, right, and getting the ball back to Quinn Ewers and company, and then getting those interceptions and putting your offense, which is one of the best in the country, in plus territory. They've done a really good job over that over the last five to six weeks, and that's why Texas has not lost since the beginning of October. When you look at Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, two more players I want to highlight personally. Um, They're culture setters for this football team, you know, two players that are left over from the Tom Herman era and two players who are undoubtedly playing the best football of their career, especially at the university of Texas. And the guy, I don't even remember his name. Um, and I had no problem with his comments. You know, he's a competitive football player. He puts his football pants on the same way we do. Um, he went out and made his statement about Iowa state and he was very confident that they could win the game on Saturday. And, they could, you know, Texas was in for a rude awakening. Right. And because he's an offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, he was going to have to deal with two of the best players in the country in college football this year, regardless of position in Byron Murphy and Savandre Sweat. And I love that Steve Sarkeesian made them captains, you know, because he said. You want to talk about Texas and talk about our talent and talk about what we've done with it and, and lack thereof. That's not just a shot at those guys you are going to block, but that's a shot at our culture. Right. So you want to talk about our culture. I want you to line up in front of them. You know, on the from the coin toss, and I want you to look them in their eye. The the two guys that you just said are in for a rude awakening. I want you to look them in your eye before you have to deal with them for the next sixty minutes, right? And not only did they go out there and hold their own, I thought that they went out there and had dominant football games, right? In a game where you needed to win in the trenches, right? In a game where everything started off slow, in a game where somebody called you out personally. Called out your culture, I thought that they went out and really shut that shit up. You know what I'm saying? Like, for lack of a better term, they really went out there and and it was like, okay, like you know what I mean? Like, you want to call us out? You want to call us our call out our culture? We're here and we're about to dominate you for sixty minutes. That's exactly what they did. Not only holding your opponent to nine rushing yards, like I said, just overwhelming them in the trenches and just frankly being better than them right, in all facets. Tavondre Sweat blocked the big extra point right, that Austin Jordan was able to pick up and recover um, return for two points. That ended up being the difference in it being a one position and a two position football game. So a big play from Tavondre Sweat there. And then Byron Murphy had the one and a half sacks and Tavondre Sweat had a pass deflection. So you're talking about two of the best players in the country, two first team uh all big 12 of course and you're talking about potential all-american um territory and like i said they could have just went out and had the game that they've had all year right and they could have been just as good made sure they didn't run the ball uh played really well and that would have been the end of it and we would have celebrated them because that's what they've been doing all season right models of consistency but for them to go out and actually dominate the way that they did for them to go out as defensive tackles and put themselves all over the stat sheet right and all over the course of the game and affect it In so many different ways, I just thought was huge from Tyvondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And it just kind of painted a picture of what they've been able to do all season and what they've meant to this Texas football team all season up front on that defensive line. And then really quickly, you know, special teams. This has been a special unit for this Texas football team really the last couple of years. Jeff Banks, not sure if he gets enough credit, but I'm gonna make sure he gets his credit right now. Um, That's just a really sound unit, right? We've seen in the past punt blocks for touchdowns, uh, you know, well, yeah, punt blocks for touchdowns. Um, the kicking has been really good. We've just been able to make plays on special teams, right? Punt return touchdowns. That all has happened under Jeff Banks, watch, So um, definitely have to give him credit for that. And he was the primary recruiter for college Simmons. That's something I'll never forget. So Shout out to Jeff Banks for that as well. Bert Auburn, right? Started off the season shaky, but he was three for three on Saturday, including his career long 50 yarder. 15 for his last 15, even got iced on a kick that he missed, came back and made it right after. Like I said, 15 for his last 15 kicks. Special teams, Burt Auburn, um, he's been great the last five or six games. You had a two-point run back by Austin Jordan. Like I said, the significance of that um, ended up being a two-possession game, where without those two points, it would have been a one-possession game. And you had a ticky-tack call on the block in the back, the Xavier Worthy punt return, where he got you, I can't remember if he scored or not, but he, he damn near got you into the red zone, right? So you were going to score on that drive if that play didn't get called back. And we know Xavier Worthy the last four or five weeks has had explosive plays in uh, the punt return game. So uh, we can talk about the offense and the defense, and of course they're going to get 95% of the press, 95% of the coverage, but this special teams unit really for the last two years has been a special one for the University of Texas. So all around good win on Saturday. Like I said, those bread and butter wins just feel a little bit better sometimes when you can go out there and run the ball really well stop the run and play good fundamental football on special teams, that shows me that this Texas football team has taken a jump, has taken a leap in year three under Steve Sarkeesian. That was a culture win on Saturday. All right, five-star culture, five-star players. is beautiful when it comes together. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we get out of here with the Big 12 Roundup. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And now, with basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players. From different sports or leagues. Imagine being able to bet on LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at the same time, but with prize picks, you can. Imagine a 10.5 combo of three pointers made in receptions. You would just pick over. Or under for LeBron James and Travis Kelsey collectively. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. I needed that last week when Joe Burrow went out the game in the first half. My parlay still cash. So shout out to Prize Picks. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash LockedOnCollege and use. Code Locked On College for a first deposit match of up to 100 dollars That's prospix.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. All right, we're getting into the Big 12 roundup. Oklahoma beat BYU 31 to 24 on Saturday. BYU is a way better football team at home than on the road. So I'm not surprised that uh this football, I mean, this football game was a little bit closer. A little bit too close to comfort, I guess, for the Oklahoma side, right? I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. um, it really came down to uh, a pick six, 100-yard pick six for Billy Bowman. That was the difference in the game. Dylan Gabriel went out in the game. We'll see if he's healthy for next week. But Jackson Arnold came in and uh, steadied the ship. And like I said, a 100-yard pick six was the difference in the game. So Oklahoma keeps their slim Big 12 championship hopes alive. Cincinnati 21, West Virginia 42. Obviously, we know the old Big 12 teams have done a number on the new Big 12 teams this season. But I think the biggest story is West Virginia at this point being seven and four. A lot of people thought that Neil Brown and this West Virginia football team couldn't win get three games this year. A lot of people thought that he was a dead man walking and It would be inevitable that he would get fired most people thought that he would get fired in the middle point of the season and now you're looking at West Virginia they're seven and four and they're guaranteed to end the season uh with a winning record right so I don't think anybody envisioned that you know West Virginia they could even end up nine and four right the way that they're uh playing right now and and like I said nobody envisioned that so Steve Sarkeesian is going to win big 12 coach of the year as he should for what this Texas football team has been able to do they've been dominant all year uh but when you talk about just some of the best coaching jobs in college football This year, West Virginia certainly has to be one of them under Neil Brown, seven and four. Nobody envisioned this West Virginia football team being this good, even half of the West Virginia fans. Baylor 17, TCU 42. This is a rivalry. I think they called it like the blue bonnet bowl or something like that i'm not sure um as impressive and as surprising as west virginia and neil brown have been you could say the opposite for dave aranda this football team being three and eight and they just really haven't shown a pulse in most of their football games and then tcu they've been disappointing as well five and six but they they don't play with their food right if they smell blood they they come like sharks in the water so they beat up on them 42 to 17 Um, And, yeah, Baylor has a lot to figure out, but I wouldn't expect Dave Aranda at this point to be back next year. Oklahoma State 43 over Houston 30. Um, That's just an explosive offense when they get going, right, between Allen Bowman, I think he had 340-plus passing yards, and then um, Ollie Gordon, who's probably the favorite to win the Doak Walker now that Jonathan Brooks is hurt. He had another 150, 160 yards on the ground, so 500 yards of total offense. That led to 43 points um, this past Saturday against Houston on the road. UCF 23, Texas Tech 24. Uh, this was a really good game that came down to the wire. UCF thought they scored the game-tying touchdown, but they missed the extra point. That was the difference in the game. Texas Tech winning 24-23, to and when you look at UCF, they are a 5-6 and six football team. But, I mean, talk about it really coming down to the margins because they lost to Texas Tech by one point. They lost to Baylor by one point after blowing a 25-point lead, and then they lost to Oklahoma by two points. So they have three losses in conference this year by a combined four points, right? That's brutal. And this is a team that may not even end up bowl eligible. When you're talking about four points of difference, you know, maybe be the difference between, or you're talking about a four point margin, maybe be being the difference between a five win football team and an eight or nine win football team. That's super tough. And you look at Kansas State 31 over Kansas 27. Kansas was forced to play with their third string quarterback for the second week in a row. Did start out the game really well, had a 16 point lead. I believe they were up uh 27 or excuse me they had an 11 point lead they were up 27 to 16 but then kansas state scored the last 15 points of the game to get a crucial win over Kansas and their third-string quarterback on the road, so that's the Big 12 roundup. Only one more week of it, of course, and then after that, Texas should be playing in the Big 12 championship game. But thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Like I said, it's so great to be back. Everything I've missed over the last week, I promise I'll get to at some point, and we'll continue the coverage this week of the Texas football team as we get into the last Big 12 regular season game ever against Texas Tech Senior Night on Friday. I cannot wait. I will be at the game. Hopefully, I can see some of you there. Hook them. Peace.